What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast, our midweek Wednesday, May 15th in the evening. Most people will hear this. It'll already be the 16th. Uh, but lots of news today. Like, today was a pretty big day in, I, f- I feel like, kind of in the history of wrestling, just to, just if you think about it, because AEW signed their TV deal and they are going to be on TNT. We don't know the, the night yet. It's either going to be Tuesday or Wednesday, I believe. And from everything I understand, they, uh, you know, they're, they're going to get money in some way. So this is, they did not have to buy their way onto television. They didn't have to do it for free. Uh, and I mean, from a perspective of startup wrestling companies, this is kind of unprecedented. So, John, my first question is basically, like, what, like, it, 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 as the wrestling historian that you are, like, I, I feel like, you know, even in the days of when wrestling was so popular when we were kids, like, this kind of thing just didn't happen. No, it didn't happen with, uh, with the, just a brand new brand getting an opportunity where a network's going to pay, I mean, I don't know how much money is yeah probably find out soon but to you know start to start a new wrestling company on their on their channel and and it's a good channel tnt you know has history there with pro wrestling uh monday nitro of course during the uh peak of the monday night wars so there's history there um but will people find it will the casual viewer tune in those are all questions that will have to be answered later this year but i'm excited and i'm happy for those guys and they they had a dream they have a brand that they built they have something they believe in and they all worked hard at making this happen they made the right connections and and now we now we're here with aew and it's only good for the wrestling business to have more competition out there more places for guys and gals to go work and we'll We'll see. I'm I'm excited. So, the I think I think the thing that people are going to harp on when it comes to this deal, you know, Twitter and this fickle uh, wrestling oh, fan base, they're they're going to look at WWE and go, well, WWE's making 250 million a year for SmackDown, and then they're going to go, well, what is AEW making? And it's it. I mean, they're not making that much money, right? It's it's we're, we're talking about startup company very early on mm-hmm. um they're they're gonna have to also show their value but if you think about it how long did it take for vince mcmahon the wrestling promoter to even get paid for tv like it took a long time and we're talking about the most successful guy in the history of the business now the tv landscape has totally changed but if you are basing the success or failure of this deal on a on what WWE gets, like how about we give AEW thirty five years to <laughs> to figure mm-hmm. it out? So I, I I don't I mean I know we're gonna hear it, but I want people to be a little bit smarter about this and think before they start writing about you know the failure of it. They are gonna have a lot to prove. They're gonna have to prove themselves. They're gonna have to draw. They're gonna have to get ratings, like you said. They're gonna to have to put on good TV. They're gonna to have to put on different TV. We 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 cannot watch wrestling on Monday and then uh, uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday. Go, 
oh yeah, this is just sort of like WWE. It's got to be way different. It's got to be, you know, the pacing and, and the way the presentation, all these things have to be different. So they have their work cut out for them. And uh, I think, you know, for, for the landscape of just being able to create something from scratch, I think it's awesome. But this is, you know, they're going to have to work hard. And the fact of the matter is, is this is um, the beginning of something rather than sort of the end game. And I hope people, I hope fans give this that mindset rather than basing it on, well, you know, they surely don't make what WWE make, you know, makes on their deal. Yeah, that that's that's horrible. I'm sure of the jerks that will say that and compare it to WWE. Just can't. Just take it. Just take AEW for what it is, startup company, and this is their first TV deal, and it's them. It's their job to work hard to increase those ratings to increase the attendance on their house shows um, and the live, all the live events and to make more TV right fees in the future. Right. That's just their goal is get more out of TNT and continue this and grow it. So you have to start somewhere and, and whatever the number is that we won't know probably till very tomorrow, but you know, it's it's a good starting point and 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 I think if you know if all goes well this could be you know this could be a huge thing for pro wrestling and then that's like I said earlier that's only a good thing yeah I wrote on Twitter that you know it, it, it's it's not like I don't when, when you look at this stuff and it's just sort of my upbringing as as a, as a journalist major, Except when it comes to, like, you know, the sports teams that I grew up on. Um, when it comes to this stuff, like when it comes to UFC, when it comes to boxing, when it comes to pro wrestling, I'm more or less rooting for what is best for the product and what is best for, um, you know, the, the sport in a sense. And so, of course, I want AEW to succeed because they the, their, their, uh, their success will make WWE work harder. Uh, and I wrote on Twitter that, you know, I want them to succeed because it's good for the industry. And also because Vince McMahon is throwing EFIS pitches right now, man. Like mm-hmm. we need Vince to start throwing fastballs again. And I think this could be one of the things to get Vince to throw fastballs. Though, you know, at, at you know, 70 something years old, maybe he doesn't have that anymore. But man, this better for, if, if they do a good job here and they actually start you know, grabbing into the WWE audience, this better jumpstart something for that for WWE because, oof, this has been a rough this has been a rough period for uh, for the for the product. Very rough, so rough when you you said you still had to watch Raw. And I, thought, oh, <laughs> I said, don't make me watch Monday Night Raw. And you're like, no, I'm talking about three Raw. I still gotta watch. Like, oh, okay, good. I just just had no. I just have zero interest right now, and yeah, yeah. you're right. Like, let's let's hope AEW lights that fire in the WWE, and and maybe not Vince. Maybe Vince is not the one. Maybe maybe it's Triple H is the one that light the fire. You know, to get mm-hmm. his fire going because, you know, sooner than later he's going to be taking over. And I think Triple H is a very smart guy, and I can't wait for the Triple H WWE run era because if. If we're getting a sample size with what he could do with NXT and how that product is, I, mm-hmm. I assume you know not all of it will transfer over to the main product because their main products can be a little different. 
you know, it's a different audience it goes after. But I would like to see some of the philosophy, some of the more the tighter booking, um, come onto the main roster because that's what it needs right now. It's just a complete mess. Nothing has me interested at all right now. Um, I did just like not even watch Raw itself, but on via YouTube because you can just kind of go through the clips. I only watched one clip, and that was the Bray Wyatt thing because I wanted to see what his character reveal was and and that so that's the only thing i really checked out we wise when it came to current product you know this week so we're gonna we'll, we'll have a little bit of a preview of uh double or nothing next week and next weekend i will be out in vegas at starcast and at double or nothing so the following week i can come back with a little bit of a recap of how all, that all went but before we get into the rest of the show, I just quickly want to uh, thank the folks who listen. You know, uh, you know, our, our listenership has definitely increased over the last uh, few months, and, and I think we've said that uh, on this show. Not that it's going through the roof and, you know, advertisers are knocking my door down trying to pay us to get on the show. We, you know, we don't work like that. We're still a pretty small outlet, but... You know we are we are getting you know a, lot, a little bit more viewer uh, listeners and so I, w- I just want to say appreciate all the new people who are checking in with us and um, also the, the 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 cool thing is like when you see people retweet your show like uh, our guy Russ who retweets us like almost every week I think mm-hmm. and uh, so appreciate appreciate Russ a, a couple other people as well so uh, we are still. Uh, you know, we, we still think of ourselves as uh, as too short selling tapes out of the trunk, man. Like we're you know we're we're still a little bit of a of a of a small and organic thing. So I really appreciate the folks who are who are jumping on and, and checking us out. It's been a lot of fun, and you know we'll keep doing this until you know until we can't keep doing it. But it's it's been a lot of fun to get the feedback and to hear people say, oh, you know. I got news about this thing from your show, and I'm like, "Oh, that's awesome!" And you know, plus, it's not like it's not like we don't know what we're talking about, and it's not like you don't provide a different voice than what is normally heard on these kind of shows because of the fact that you do understand uh, how to book wrestling, and you know, a lot of the shows are are more driven by sort of people like me who are just big fans and kind of historians, but you also add that little wrinkle of where this is how you do this and this is why this makes sense and this is why this doesn't make sense. And so I think I think it's you know it's good because I think people when they listen to this kind of stuff they also want to learn. And so we have a couple, you know, we have we have some good angles to this stuff. So again, appreciate everyone listening in and um, hopefully uh, hopefully we can keep increasing the audience. I think that'll be a really cool thing. I'm pretty excited about uh, next week's show. I really want to go over that AEW card. It's going to be a lot of fun. Because I have a lot to say about it, and um, there's some interesting matches and what I think, what they're presenting, and I, I just, I just, I can't wait to talk about this card. And I am going to order the pay per view, which I haven't ordered a pay per view in a very long time. <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, I will. I'll be, I'll be watching it at home probably later in the evening, of course, after the young ones go to sleep and the wife goes to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I hope it's a good show. So we're going to bounce around a little bit because we start talking about AEW. We're going to talk a little bit of boxing. We're going to talk some UFC. We're going to talk uh, 93 Raw. We're going to talk Money in the Bank. 
But the thing I wanted to talk about second was the holy grail <laughs> of Tom McGee and Brett the Hitman Hart. Now, I watched... Um, I haven't even actually fully finished watching the actual match, but I did watch all the stuff, the, the little documentary that they had leading up to it. And this is the kind of stuff that the WWE Network can do that almost nobody else can do for their product. And this was definitely fan service. You're not getting new subscribers based on this, um, you know, tape from 1986 that people weren't able to find. But it was such a fun little thing. It was, it almost felt like, and, and some of this is like, you know, when we were kids and you had you had your wrestling fans who generally knew Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior, and they liked those guys. And you know maybe they also knew Savage and and Beefcake and those guys. And then you had your wrestling fans who were like, "Oh yeah, um, did you know Honky Tonk Man and Jerry the King Lawler were cousins?" <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, if you know that trivia, then you know we're gonna be friends." And it's almost felt like going back to those times and watching this goofy discussion about this match that uh is is so secretive it made me feel like that again like oh who who's watching this because the people who are watching this are the real wrestling fans right and so that's what i felt watching the whole thing i just felt kind of like a kid again you know trying to figure out who's the real fans from the fake fans um but the whole thing was kind of surreal i think when tom mcgee comes out and you go huh he kind of looks like not Tom McGee because he's much older. He's not Jack to the gills. I think he'd even been in an accident or something. Uh, and, and it was just kind of surreal to see him. And, uh, and yeah, the whole thing was actually a really, a really cool presentation. Now, if they weren't so, uh, weren't so worried about jumping the gun on, you know, Starcast and all that stuff, they probably could have done even a better job. But it was still just like a fun thing that they threw together. And I was just, I, I, this is the kind of stuff like when I go, oh, this is what WWE Network is good at. I just wish they did more of it. Yeah, this is what uh, they should do more of. I mean, this is, sure, it was the jump, the get a jump on StarCast stuff. But but they created a, a really nice little fun 30-minute show. Um, I think 30 minutes was perfect, actually. I mean, because, you know, the match is only like five minutes long. Mm-hmm. But like the documentary just needed to be thirty minutes. I don't think I want to. I don't want to spend an hour on this, you know, subject. Yeah, it wasn't really the time. It was more the people that they chose to be in it. Like, yeah. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to that. <laughs> no, go ahead. Well, yeah, that I wish they would have had some. I wish they would have Vince McMahon's perspective. That's what they missed. That was the. That's the the, the glowing air of this documentary like they should have interviewed vince and 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 try to get his memories and thoughts of like of that match and what he thought because you know everyone's the the history the story behind this match is that you know vince saw this match and then thought tom mcgee was gonna be the next big superstar in the wwf he's gonna be the one that takes over for for hulk hogan and and ends up spinning out that the guy that really took over even you know, even though he took over as a top guy, he wasn't the, the big money draw as Hulk Hogan was. But you know, Bret Hart ended up being the main eventer, right? In the futures, 
But I think Vince, I, I want to hear Vince, like, what he saw. And and, and, and maybe because, like, people think, like, you know, Brett just tricked Vince and, and outperformed. But Vince is smarter than that. Vince knows wrestling. Yep. He knows when a guy is carrying a guy. Like, so I think I want to hear Vince's creative side of, like, what he saw Tommy could be and what he could do and what he saw for the future for him. I mean, not just the next Hulk Hogan. Like, what? Get some finer details of of what he saw Tommy King that night. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I mean, there could have been. Okay, nothing against X Pac because I love X Pac. I think he's one of the most thoughtful guys around. <laughs> it was kind of clear that he didn't really know the McGee story, maybe as well as you know someone else could have known it to have such I a big th- role in that documentary. Did you feel like they were feeding him lines? <laughs> kind of. Like, I'm trying to, like, match up the time frame. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that was, what, 86? Mm-hmm. And how old he be? And I was like, was he in that area? Was he? I mean, was he from Minnesota? Like, I'm trying to, like, yeah. remember everything. It was, a, I, it, was I a we- it was a little bit of a weird match. Now, uh, obviously, um, I could believe that Chris Hero knows this story. For sure. Um, I can't believe that Sam Roberts really knows this story. No, he was put in as the tape trader guy. Like, that's your role. Even though, really, they had Chris Hero for that. Right. Like, but then you can't show the wrestler as the tape trader because then he's the nerd and you don't want to see show the wrestler as the nerd. Yeah, yeah. True, but I don't think would Chris really care. I mean, well, I mean, he, he wouldn't. Him. He wouldn't. But no, they know, may, they might. Yeah, they might say it that way. But yeah, Sam was I just didn't believe anything he was saying. So I just so, like I just enjoyed when Chris was on it because I know he was he's passionate about this and also enjoyed hearing Harry Smith and Tyson Kidd's thoughts on the match because growing up, you know, there was such an they they wanted to see it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, the MVP of the entire thing was Harry Smith's Brett impersonation. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. And it's funny, like, and and W's knock on Harry Smith, like, he had no personality, but like, he's just being Harry Smith and talking, like, so much me, personality. Showed, yeah, so so much personality, and and you know, it was nice to see him go back to WWE. I think they could do something with him. And and, and just just to pop one of our buddies on the Fight Game Podcast Facebook group, uh, Alex, he loves it when I call people hacks, but Sam Roberts is a hack. I mean, he's no no reason even being on stuff like this. It's kind of like an insult to my intelligence. Um, And I don't don't have anything against him. I just think he's really bad at everything he does in WWE. It's like, it's so see-through, and it's frustrating, but oh well, it's not his his fault. They're paying him. Uh, And so... It, uh, Brett was great because Brett basically in very few words was like, here's how wrestling works. Mm-hmm. Now you take someone like Tom, who's not that good, but he could do a couple things. And I ask him, what are your three best things? He gives me those things. And I tell him, okay, here's when we're going to do them. I'm going to do everything and like, just listen to me like that, that. That I mean, he just explained how to work a match in 30 seconds. Yep. How a veteran works with a young guy. Yes. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, he did, I, 
I'm, I'm just glad Tom didn't go like uh, super kick. That would have been awesome if he's like super super. I can do a super kick. Um, but uh, but yeah. So just it's really it's really well done. Brett is. I, I know Brett gets a bad rap a little bit because you know he's, he can be grumpy sometimes and he can be a little hypocritical sometimes. But when I hear him talk about just wrestling, I I mean I can I can listen to him talk about that stuff all day. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's one of the smartest ever. I mean, one of my favorites to watch. I mean, he he always felt like people would... I remember people would kind of bag on, like, oh, he just did the same routine a lot. And, like, yeah, he has his moves. Every wrestler has their moves that they do. But, like, I think Brett was one of the best of, like, working with the guy's strengths, no matter if it was, like, you know, a Mr. Perfect or Dave Boy Smith to... A barbarian or you know what i mean or or uh, a one two three kid like to me all his matches felt different so that's why i would really, really appreciate press work and i just like this little like i guess i love this show I, I i enjoyed that you know we knew tom mcgee's coming out the end that's that was given mm-hmm. you know and i'm glad he did and i'm glad he got to talk about this match and because for so long he was the but of a lot of the hardcore jokes when it came to like you know matches and like but wrestling's full of guys who weren't the best but had some talent and people protected them and 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 you know focused on the strengths and hit hit their weaknesses and tom was just one of those guys and you know so i'm glad he got his little moment in the sun because you know i mean it didn't work out for him i think wwe i think it was a mistake to kind of keep hiding him i think they mm-hmm. should have done something with him at one at some point maybe it wasn't yeah he's maybe he's not going to be the next guy that's going to main event our cars should have like, came back for the wbf he got yeah he was he was just huge <laughs> but um you know like they could have done something with that guy a mid-card baby face and, and there's a plenty of good workers in the wbf at the time that they can put him with and you know you could you know you could do a lot of these you could protect that guy, but I think they just kept holding him off, holding him off, and I think eventually he just kind of like lose the love, and maybe his yeah. heart wasn't really in it in the yeah. beginning, or so. But I'm glad he had his moment, and he seemed generally happy to have this moment and say his piece about the match. And he's just you know he's very humble about it. He didn't start boasting and claiming he should have got more and never got an opportunity. Like he's happy with what he got and happy with his life. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm happy for him. Yeah, no, it was, it was cool, and and it's um, it's something that if you consider yourself a pretty hardcore wrestling fan, you should check it out. And I, you know, I hope this kind of stuff on the network does good view viewership because mm-hmm. it would just it just you know they need to do more of it. Like there's tons of like old tapes and old matches that uh, you know that that fans of have been trying to find information about you know when i was a kid it was the um it was the uh, the rockers and then the heart foundation where the rockers actually won the titles mm-hmm. and then you know the rope broke and so that's why they said they put the Same match here. back you know I, I i always wanted to watch that match so and it made it it made it on brett's uh dvd yeah yeah so it's stuff like that where you can tell stories around it why did it become you know a sort of legendary in that sense um you know, you can do that around so many older matches. You got Hogan, you know, underneath, under your umbrella now. You know, there were always, like, 
you know, when I was a kid, it was always like, oh my God, like I want to see all these matches where Hogan was a bad guy, you know, stuff like that. So yeah. they got tons of stuff they can do like that. And so hopefully they will. But um, yeah. someone on Twitter wrote like, okay, what match now that this has been unearthed and no longer the quote unquote holy grail, like what matches, you know, would you want to see, you know, be discovered? And a lot of people writing about Ric Flair versus Bob Backlund in the Omni. Oh, wow champion versus champion and i i mean i remember seeing i just seen pictures of that match and i always wondered like man that'd be cool if that ever if i ever saw that match so i'm hoping wf when they start going through their archives and they maybe they'll discover that tape you know that, that they have and, and and put it on there and i'd like to see them go through and like hey let's check out some other dark matches that we taped before mm-hmm. tv tapings because there's a lot of guys that wrestle dark matches. Like, there's like, I mean, I don't, they probably, well, they will not show this at all. But you know, Chris Benoit '94 worked dark matches with DiBiase as his manager. You know, mm-hmm. so I mean, stuff like that would be cool. They probably won't because Chris Benoit and all that. But like, you know, stuff like yeah, bring bring that stuff out. Like, do like a fun like hidden gem series of just like dark matches and tryout matches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they have the dark, they have the hidden gem stuff. Which is more of like, oh, here's just a bunch that you can watch now. With that, they're not really telling the backstory. That's what was different about this one is they told the backstory, and they put it together that made it seem important. And that's kind of what you want to watch when you watch wrestling. Oh, he this was important because rather than oh, this is just a match, you know. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like a hidden like a gem match, like 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 a, this Atomic E versus Bret Hart. Like, what if you just talked about Bret Hart versus Mr. Fur for SummerSlam 91. Yeah. It talked about like Bret and Kurt Henning's back being out and how he gutted through that match and, and what a classic match that is, you know, like that'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've been dying for them to do these rival like they started doing them where they were doing the rivalry stuff. Uh, but my idea was I want to see historic feuds and I want you to tell me the story of the feud from beginning to end. And, you know, yes, there's so many of them when I was growing up, you know, Hogan Orndorff was always so memorable to me. Um, and, you know, Hogan Savage, the Mega Powers, like that's like the best one that they've ever done, right? And you could tell all of these stories because you have a current wrestling roster who were fans watching this stuff when it was happening and those guys were bigger than life to them and that made them wrestling fans and so you you have like the context of a Hogan and you have the context of guys who are still around from that era and then you have the context of these new guys who are like seeing it again like if they're you know children like you can do so much stuff with that but anyways the the I, I've I have tons of ideas about the network, but look, we'll we'll, uh, we'll save those for another time. Um, just two quick boxing notes. So uh, uh, Deontay Wilder's fighting Dominic Brazil this weekend. I fr- I should read the uh, the text that uh, Danny Acosta, our buddy Danny, sent me. He was like, he was basically like, "Do you want to go watch the fight?" But the way that he said it was like. Um, do you want to watch Deontay Wild, uh, Wilder attempt state-sanctioned sports murder this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> He's funny. Um, and and so uh, I, I actually am going to be out that night, but um, I'm hoping that I'll be able to see some of it. I'll, I'll probably record it and try to watch it when I get home, but I think it's on Showtime. 
And, you know, whenever you get to watch, you know, a, a, a top guy like Wilder, it's worth it. Um, you know, we're, we're always talking about Wilder and Joshua and, uh, and Fury. And, you know, he, one of the three guys is fighting this weekend, so it's a pretty big deal. I can watch it, dude. I have Showtime free for three months. Nice. Internet You're... went out. Internet went out for like five hours. Like, just decided to call Comptecast and say, hey, I got this generic message, but I want to get a little more detail, like what's going on. And like, I honestly got three. She gave me three free hours, three free hours, three free t- months of Showtime because I was so nice. She's like, oh, I'm just, you know, since she didn't get mad and start biting <laughs> my head off, I was like, well, who would do that? She's like, believe me, there's a lot of people <laughs> called and upset. And, and so, uh, thanks for reminding me, man. I'm going to wrap this, be done recording this show. I'm going to make sure I set my DVR because I'm definitely going to watch that fight. Yeah. So, uh, I may have to be texting you that night while I'm out to, so you can tell me what's going on. Um, so the other thing that I wanted to kind of hip people to is HBO has a two-part Muhammad Ali series uh, called What's My Name? And it is produced by uh, LeBron James and, and Mav Carter. And, you know, those LeBron is kind of out there you know he's got his companies and he's doing stuff and this is an interesting idea not that we haven't seen tons of stuff on Ali already but Ali just generally works you know when it comes to he, he's such a you know he's one of the greatest sports figures of all time um, and, and so I'm super interested to see that so I hope that I, I can watch it this weekend but for those who don't know because I don't, I don't feel like it's been promoted all that well um, and you have HBO definitely check it out um, you know, anything Muhammad Ali is going to be good. So just those two notes for, for boxing. Um, and, you know, the, the one mixed martial arts thing that I wanted to ask you is because we saw last weekend, we saw the uh, the last couple fights of the UFC show. So Rose Namajunas and uh, Andrade. And then we saw Anderson Silva and Jared Cannonier. Um And, you know, as, as I was watching the show, I was... Kind of like it's kind of like one of those things where, because I'm not watching the weekly TV as much as you know maybe other hardcore fans are. Even though that UFC show wasn't that big, I was like, oh, you know, I kind of missed this. I'm I'm kind of I'm glad that I'm watching this. I I kind of missed the, the uh the the feeling of you know a big fight or whatever. And, and neither of those fights were really really big, but I I, I just started to wonder how much UFC fatigue is really out there um, because the other the other part of this story is I forgot there was even a pay-per-view until like Thursday and you saw my email. I was like, uh, sorry guys, we got to pick these fights. I completely didn't realize that there was a show this weekend. And I, what I wonder is, is if people kind of get out of the week-to-week routine, does that hurt your... Uh, does does that hurt the pay-per-view viewing too? Because if you're out of the week-to-week because there's just so much and I just can't watch it. So instead of trying to catch shows here and there, I just pretty much kind of follow up later. But that also takes me out of the loop on when the pay-per-views are because I just assume there's just a random UFC show every week and that's what I assumed last week was. I feel like the fatigue of UFC and me not watching every single show has actually caused me to not even really keep up with what's going on, you know, for, for when the bigger shows happen. I feel like I'm kind of fatigued with the UFC. 
Yeah, same here. I mean, I mean, I just I wanted to get a night out, <laughs> and I just you know knew that there's a show, and I was like, hey, let's get together and uh, we'll watch the show together. And so we, you know, we met up, caught the last last couple fights with Big Dave, and but like I just remember sitting there like it was background noise, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like we were talking about a lot, the whole very topics <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> Some I can't even say, but like, just, <laughs> you know, it's like business background noise. That's what, that's and I, you know, I, I mean, it was fun. I enjoyed the main event, and I enjoyed the wackiness of like the fight game when like you know one single kick just destroys Anderson's leg and God. you know like just stuff like that. And then um, I ended up watching a little bit of the Bellator afterwards, and it was just to see, you know, I wanted to see Swagger's fight. And, you know, that was pro wrestling. That was pro wrestling. I wanted to stick around for you know. I watched MVP and um, and Lima, but you know, honestly, like I just just I was kind of like, okay, I'm done. You know, and it is fatigue, and it's and we're we're skipping shows, and so the interest is down. You yeah. Know? And, yeah. And, and let's be honest, there's no stars right now. Mm-hmm. You know, there's older stars, but there's not must see. You know, there's just no one's hot. No one makes us want to order that pay per view or make sure we all get together and watch the fight. Um, so that's that's part of the problem too. Like it can, they can have a weekly shows, but like they still need that guy or gal that's like we have to watch that fight, you know. And they don't have that right now until until Connor decides to fight again. And I'm kind of over Connor now, basically. I'm just because mainly just because all the stories mm-hmm. and shadiness and all the. You know, but like I'm sure if they announce a Conor McGregor fight in the future, I'm sure that'll be the show that I'm making sure I'm watching. Right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the other thing, and this is more, you know, just me asking you what you would do, because I think Dana White thinks that, well, you know, the TV building up to the pay-per-views is actually just more fights and. You know, people want to watch fights, and I'll mm-hmm. give them fights every week, and this is how we build up to pay-per-views. But I don't feel like that. I feel like more fights to me means I just have to pay a lot of attention to stuff. And I have to put, I have to dedicate, you know, three hours or five hours or six hours every weekend. And it just feels like a chore. I think one time he said something to effect, like, well, there's baseball games, like, every day. <laughs> Yeah, true, but have you seen those attendance on a weekday Tuesday game? You know, yeah, in Tampa, not drawn that well. Yeah, you know, so like fights are different. Fights are built in anticipation. These random cards that you throw together with the main event is honestly a prelim, uh, free main event level. Yeah. You know, like. Or maybe an opener of a pay-per-view. Um, gone are the days where, you know, you knew every fight on the card. Now now it's like, who's this guy? Is he doing good? Is he a prospect? And then, you know, so yeah, it is definitely, definitely fatigue. I'm, there's no stars. I only now watch because I want to hang with my friends. Uh-huh. And, 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 and that's it. But other than that, so so the question is, 
if the fatigue is real, what would you do for a casual fan to stay in the know about what's going on and get excited about some of these big cards? I always miss. I don't know if they. I don't know the ca- well. I don't know if the casual fan will really. I miss the twenty four seven stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, more of that, that kind of stuff. Those those uh, what were they called? DSE unleashed? Not unleashed. It was. Um, they used to call it the countdown, the, the, the countdown, countdown specials, yeah. or or the um, the special ones with uh, with like George and GSP where they do it like the four weeks. I forgot what those were called, but yeah, but yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I know like, what you're talking about. Like those strategically placed behind you know behind or before big big sporting events or big games on the network on espn i think that would be good enough and then you have your 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 cash your usual um ufc show right your hour block show that's like the news but also definitely needs to be covered on sports center and stuff like that you know they need to reduce the they need to reduce the number of shows that's not going to happen but they do because these shows are so watered down with a bunch of guys that, and, and girls that we don't know, and they're not stars. And they get no time to get their personality over. At least with those countdown shows, it would get me interested in fights that maybe I wasn't interested in the beginning, but then you start getting to know the fighter, the fighters. But, yeah, I mean, you, you start... know they do those shows still, but I just have no idea when they're on. And... Yeah, but they do those shows, and there's also a million other. Yeah, exactly, there. exactly. They'll show that show sandwiched in best of UFC knockouts, <laughs> like you know that people are not watching those shows, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the, I don't know what the answer is to the the prob- other than you know if you just put on great fights that I'm interested in, I'll probably come back and watch. I just it just feels like I, I am um I would consider myself a bit of a completist. Where if I want to watch something, I got to be like 110% in. And with the UFC, the only way I can do that is if I give up my weekend day every every week. <laughs> like I would just have to like go, okay, I'm going to spe- I'm gonna cut my Saturday in half and I have to devote every Saturday to UFC. And that's how I could be 100% in. But I, I just, I would just, I can't. Like, I, you know, we, we have too much stuff to do as, as human beings to do that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I know some who can, and, and I, I tip, you know, I take my hat off to them because they're, they're definitely worthy of, of the label hardcore fan, and, and, and they, they love it. And, and that's awesome. I just find myself, even as a fan of the UFC, I find myself just thinking, like, this feels like homework. This does not feel like fun. Well, you know, you don't want to spend five hours watching a television show, right? Like, yep. I I don't mind watching a three-hour pay-per-view. It may be a select, some prelims, I guess, would be mm-hmm. fine. Or even the prelims in the pay-per-view was, was always a fine thing. But, like, now the prelims are even longer, and there's facebook fights or fight pass fights and this and that it's like oh too much so before we get to the money in the bank and the raw i just wanted to follow up on uh we've been talking about these viceland documentaries and i talked a little bit about the gino one last week and i wanted to get your thoughts on the gino one and also i have some thoughts on the mula one which showed uh which debuted tonight so uh yeah so what were your thoughts on gino I thought Gino was the 
the most interesting for me. I was, they w- the way they laid out the story, the mystery that surrounded his death, and even though it you know it comes out you know the, the ending is what I expected, but like I enjoyed the the way they laid out the storytelling of the documentary. Um, yeah, I like seeing the old footage, of course. You know, Gino is very charismatic. Um, he definitely could have been a much bigger star, you know, if he didn't pass away so young. Um, he just had, he had that, he had it all. And he was, he was a, he was a good wrestler too. He can, he can go in the ring and just, uh, there was stuff in it. And when it comes to footage and all, you, you watch this old footage and you think like, man, they look intense, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and the, but other than that, I thought the doc was good. Um, I think it was, I liked the mother was fantastic or right? his mom, uh, his daughter, I thought was really good. His ex-wife was really good. Um, uh, it was it was it was definitely my favorite. Behind that, it's probably the Von Erichs, you know, one. But uh, and then Bruce and Brody. But yeah, that, that that was definitely my my favorite one. The part that you were talking about about kind of how the how it ended. Um, I liked that it ended the way that it did because they did give you a um, they did give you some somewhat of a of a of a solution to the to the whole question and answer and i felt like in the bruiser brody doc they didn't really do that they they had like some thoughts about whose fault it was and and or not whose fault it was but kind of how brody was tied into um the reason why he got killed and i was just like mm, i don't i don't know that this is a documentary where i want to go away with the idea of i'm not quite sure what happened like if you have yeah. if you have the information you should fig- figure out what the truth is and give that truth and in this one they did and so i was very happy um the the reason why i like this one so much and, and i thought the von erics one was really good too but the reason why i like this one more than the von erics is because you had a, a story that has not been told a million times. Mm-hmm. You had people who I haven't seen in a long time, like Jeannie Clark. Like, holy cow. I mean, I, we, I mean, we got to see her at Cauliflower Alley. But, you know, when, have, when has she ever been on stuff? So that was really cool. And um, she and Gino kind of hung out a lot like <laughs> throughout that whole thing. I'm like, weren't you? married no but whatever um they were friends they were really good friends and and just like uh you know that that whole era of of wrestling because wwe is the you know they're the ones that stand tall at the end you know you don't see a lot of those guys you don't see a lot of that story that territory told and and i credit vice uh the viceland guys for for this because they were telling a story that they thought was compelling and hadn't been done to death a hundred times and i think that's what I liked most about this series. Now, the Savage one was okay. I don't I don't know if I was super happy with the way that they were telling the stories. And the Brody one was good. But I thought, man, these last three really picked up steam. And the Moolah one, I think, is going to be pretty polarizing. Um, there is a little bit of... They're trying to portray... They're trying not to portray Fabulous Moolah in the worst light 
she's she's portrayed a bad light, but then she's also portrayed in a good light based on who they're talking to. And so there's a little bit of, um, I felt like when they're trying to tell the story of Mula's not really this bad person, the characters that they chose to do that, one being her daughter, and two being this guy who's like, um, I don't even know who he is, but he's he was the guy who was really upset at WWE a couple years ago for pulling the Mula's name off the Battle Royal, and he's like trying to clear her name, and um, I don't think he's related in any way. He's just like a wrestling fan who thought that this was so unfair. But when you the most compelling parts of this documentary is when you hear the women that worked for Mula, some of them treated her like their mom, like she took care of me, and some of them were like, she treated me like a prostitute. And so it's like just, you know, the wrestling business doesn't work this way anymore. So that's so eye-opening, some of these stories. And I think the story that people like the most is Wendy Richter telling the story of Spider Lady. And I think everyone pretty much knows this story, which is Wendy didn't sign a contract. She wanted to get out of Moolah's stable. She did not want to have 25% of her uh, salary go to Fabulous Moolah. And uh, they took the belt off of her. And the way that they did it was to put Moolah in a, in a costume as the Spider Lady. And supposedly, according to Wendy, she didn't know, even though I think most people find that hard to believe, especially when you actually kind of lock up and have a match. And, uh, and and so that was very compelling, like that whole thing. Wendy Richter is like, she's, she is not happy about this whole situation still. Um, she even made a comment like, you know, being sort of being glad that Mula was dead, like that she wasn't alive. It was, it was pretty interesting. So I, I think I think people should definitely watch it. They're, they're, I think they'll have their own opinions on it. I wouldn't say it was as good as the last two, but it was still worth watching because there's still bits and pieces of that thing that opened my eyes, and I pretty much know most of that story. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's just overall for Viceland, um, even if I didn't like all of them as much as, as uh, others, I still thought their idea of how they did this was, was really, really good. And, you know, look, we don't need WWE to write the narratives of everything. You know, we don't need... Um, you know, uh, uh, the Andre doc's great, right? But you also have the WWE slant on stories on that stuff. Same with uh, the Nature Boy one. I like the Nature Boy one well, too. And, uh, you know, we've talked about that before. But still, there was a little bit of like a, you know, a WWE slant on it in some way. Like, WWE's not involved in this in any way. which And it shows. And I, and I think it's to the benefit. Let's move on to Money in the Bank. Uh, we're not going to preview the show or anything i just kind of want to gauge your how excited you are maybe for some of the stuff or maybe how not excited you are for some of this stuff uh is there anything that you're kind of hyped for this weekend nothing on money in the bank i mean other than like a good wrestling match i'm curious to see seth and aj because like you know they have the ability to tear the house down um but it's step one of a program, I think. So I'm sure we're going to have some kind of wacky finish, which could make or break that match, you know. Uh, ladder match stuff, I'm just not into. I'm just, uh, just, get, I'm just over that. And I mean, I'm sure Ricochet's going to do some crazy stuff. Um, and I'm sure the women's match will be planned 
you know, to the T of what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like the same with the ladder match, the men's ladder match. They do say things. I'm, just, I'm not back on the women or anything. I'm just saying, like, they really, they really work on that for, for a long period of time. So yeah. I think, like, I think it'll have good matches, but I don't know. I just, it's just, I'm just not like, like, I'm going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it live, but I'll end up watching it. And maybe I'll watch the whole show that night. Is that four hours again? Probably. <laughs> so at least I can skip through entrances and stuff and make it a little, little bit shorter. Well, like, I mean, yeah. not not only can you skip through entrances, but I mean. Preview packages. Well, I mean, The Miz and Shane in a steel cage match, you may be able to skip through that one. Yeah, I'm kind of a complete stuff. I'm watching I know, the I know, show. I know, I know. So... I'll try to cut time where I can, but um, but my if it, if we're going from a one to ten level, my, my, my you know of my interest, it's about it's about a one. Wow, <laughs> so, yeah. that's amazing. So here's my intrigue: Becky Lynch and Lacey Evans. I want the match order for this show is so interesting to me. I'm assuming that they open with one of the Money in the Banks because there's two of them. Maybe the guy's money in the bank. But then that would leave three women's matches uh, amongst the rest of the, the, the nine, which is fine. They could do that. But I think the key to this entire show, to me, is they really have to figure out what Lacey Evans is for them. And, and you don't have to figure it out like for the long term, but you have to figure out if... For right now, which is the malaise of all malaises of the product, is she going to be someone that you think can be helpful and be of value? Because Becky Lynch is, uh, I, I would consider her one of their top stars, right? Like she's definitely uh, someone who they're, they, they give mic time to, they push her, they want to see her succeed. I don't know if she's in the position to raise Lacey Evans's game or in the position to where someone like Lacey Evans can devalue her. Because if it's that second thing, this entire match is a mistake. Because you need Becky to be super duper hot if we're going to get through this period. Because you don't, like, you know, there's nobody who I, I, th- I would consider to be on fire right now. Um, I think there can be some guys... You know, if they get behind certain people, you know, we've already we've already talked about Drew McIntyre and Andrade and guys who we would kind of get behind. But, you know, I, I look up and down this card and it's just like a bunch of acts that out that are very I wouldn't even say stale, but I would say. You know, in the in the middle, they're 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 kind of like, you know, when I look at them, I go, oh. Kofi Kingston and Kevin Owens. You know what? That is a really fun match for the Intercontinental title. Mm-hmm. Um, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair on any other show with a proper build, that's my main event. On this show, it's a mid-card match. And it's like just because of the way that they told the story. So I just think there's a bunch of stuff in the middle. You know, Elias against Roman Reigns, like... If we were basing it on a personality contest, I, I would actually love this, but we're actually basing it on a wrestling match and not sure this is going to be very good. Um, so, you know, I, I think there are questions coming out of this show. 
I think there are possibilities that could happen. Like if Lacey Evans just turns it up and all of a sudden is a freaking superstar. Like that would be awesome. But there's also stuff on here where I'm just like, I think this is act this actually could work opposite of what you hope a wrestling match does, which is, you know, make these two hotter coming out. I, I feel like there's gonna be a lot of the opposite on this show, but that's that's kind of the way that they do this now, and it's on the network, and they don't have to sell pay-per-views, so they get to tell their full stories, and they don't have to worry about viewership and all that stuff, and I get that, but I used to be so excited for Money in the Bank, and I am not excited at all, and I don't know why. I mean, I guess it's just, it's just the product, I guess, but you know, even they can figure out how to make this show dull. I think a lot, I think we're going to get a lot of funky finishes, you know, a lot of wackiness that people are going to be talking about and frustrated about that's that's my prediction on this show i just think a lot of those matches it's just because a lot of those matches are just starts of programs because they kind of rebooted everything right they try to reboot everything and mm-hmm. so they're starting their next you know phase until next year's wrestlemania and not like the and they and unlike years of old when there's a long-term plan to to next year's wrestlemania there is no long long term plan anymore. Is they have? I'm sure they have an idea. Like, hey, maybe next year we'll have this, but things will flip and flop mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fifty to a hundred times before then, and it won't look anything what they were planning. Oh yeah. Be- oh yeah. Because no one's no one's at that level. No one's hot. No one's. They're just they're just a bunch of wrestlers on the card. They're wrestling stars, not superstars, and there's just no interest right now. Same like WWE. And USC had the same problem. There's just no stars that mm-hmm. people that want, make you want to like, hey, I have to watch that guy or girl. You know, I have to. Train. But but you know what? There is also no impetus to create stars when you're getting guaranteed money, and your business doesn't thrive on how hot a program is. You can just kind of push everything the same because you're gonna get the same money no matter what. True, but you know they still have to. They still have to produce ratings. They still have to. Pro- producer value right so like so when's that happen when does fox knock and get the <laughs> phone call you know when does that happen? like you know we spent a lot of money you guys and we're just not getting a return on our investment we expect to do this rating now we're basically doing this rating like you guys need to tighten the ship up and maybe something fresh and new to both yeah, get some interest going. You know, you know the the person who considers them the biggest star in the entire company is uh, the one soap opera writer who won the Emmy. Did you read that story in the Observer? No, <laughs> I might have skipped that one. I missed it. <laughs> so there's a writer. I don't remember her name, but oh, she won. I think she won a daytime Emmy, and so then she went to TV, or the or she went to the office, and she had her Emmy with her. And, you know, she's in the room with the writers, and she puts the Emmy on the table. And P.S. Hayes is like, uh, you should probably not do that here. And she's just like, nah, this is my, this is my Emmy, man. <laughs> like, and just has the Emmy on the table with all the writers who, you know, it's, I mean, they have some successful people on their writing staff, but... You know, WWE's never going to get nominated for anything like that. I just thought it was hilarious. I was like, gosh, the only person who thinks of themselves as a star is the woman writer who won the Emmy, and she's showing it off to all the rest of the writers. That was awesome. That's hilarious. <laughs> like, it's like bad and good, right? Yeah, like, yeah. 
that's, that's, that's a great story. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's uh, let's get to the main event of our of our show, which is the 16th ever episode of Monday Night Raw. And this show was built from last week with Shawn Michaels and Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and they built towards a lumberjack match for this show. And the lumberjack match takes like almost half of the show. It's a long match. Um, that was that was really good. And uh, you know, it's Shawn Michaels selling his ass off for Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Uh, and uh, you know, there's there's some there's there's a few interesting things in this show. And I like, you know, I always talk about, I enjoy kind of the creativity. Like, you could tell Vince is testing stuff. And angle alert, angle alert, Lord Alfred Hayes is interviewing Shawn Michaels to start the show outside of the building. I'm like, wow, Lord Al. I haven't seen Lord Al in forever, even though we would hear his voice on that one soundbite every week. Um, Promotional consideration paid for by the following like like that that should literally be on his tombstone because I, I feel like he said that even though it was one time he probably said it you know ten thousand times uh, on TV, but so Lord Al starts the show he's interviewing Sean outside of the building, and Sean barely even gets a word in and Perfect is all over him jumps him, throws him on top of the car they kind of tease that his foot goes through the windshield. And uh, so that's kind of how the, the show gets kicked off. And obviously we are building towards Sean having to join this lumberjack match, which he was very bothered at last week that he even had to do. So this kind of leads, uh, this is a nice little story leading into that match. We know that Sean and Perfect are in a program and, uh, and we're going to see more of it. We're going to see more of Sean and Perfect by the end of this night. Yeah, this brawl to open up the show between Perfect and HBK is like one of my earliest like vivid memories of raw when i look back at raw in the beginning like i just remember because this stuff like this didn't really happen right Mm -hmm. so it was different and unique and captivating well it would have it would happen in crockett stuff but it didn't really ever happen with wwe no and and it was edgy and i i remember just and I'll, i'll just i never forget the perfect throwing hbk into the you know to the into the car and all that stuff and the people around and so i i remember like when we watched last week's episode i was like oh yeah next week we're gonna get that <laughs> that fight in the beginning and i was like hope it was good as i remember and it was it was pretty good and uh um got the show off great and that's how you kick off a show yeah you, know, yeah. Not, you can't do it every week of course but like you know, putting those putting those moments in like every few months definitely just just ignites it and gives it that different feel going in. The first match of the show was a King of the Ring qualifier between your favorite Typhoon against Bam Bam Bigelow, and you know it it was it was fine. But I think my favorite part was I haven't I, I'm trying to remember when I've seen a back suplex because. Bam Bam, you know, he picks, you know, it's not like a shoot suplex or anything, but he's got to, you know, he's got to carry this dude a little bit into just like this really slow and fairly graceful back suplex. I was like, man, I, I missed that. I missed that move. And uh, and then uh, Bam Bam wins with a headbutt off the top rope to advance to the tournament of eight for the King of the Ring. Yeah, the uh, back suplex has been replaced by the German suplex. That's why yeah, I'm very- yeah. I, I, but it's not it. it's so like 
it's so dangerous in comparison. True, but like it's and it could be even just as beautiful as a as a perfect. Oh, a German suplex is German of suplex is is, is is fantastic. I'm not saying that it's a wrong move to do, but I just I like why can't you do both? Like, no, they should because it, it just brings some variety. Like we're like the like you can still do the atomic drop and make it vicious looking you know like in the back in the day when you do atomic drop the guys would sell it big and look devastating you know in the 80s it kind of got a little bit where it's like comedy like the guy would do the big bump on the rope or yeah. something like that right um but yeah I, I like this match between typhoon and bam bam bigelow and it just this is a match where you can say yeah bam bam's a damn good freaking pro wrestler so good i mean he really just made that match and, and you know, Typhoon was, you know, for his limited ability, like, he was working hard. He took, you know, some bigger bumps, like, stuff to the outside. My favorite moment is, like, when he gets, like, posted for, like, the second time, and he takes a stumble off the apron and then lands on the floor, and, like, he just crashes in the guardrail. Like, those fans freak out because that's, <laughs> that's a big man hitting that guardrail, right? But, yeah, it was a good, solid, good, solid big man match. Told the simple story that... I'm sh- I was kind of shocked that it got the amount of time it did, but uh, it was never boring or dull. And then, then bam, bam, anytime Batman hits that big head, but on top rope, I'm happy because it's just a beautiful move. Yeah. Uh, so they tease the smoking guns. They're going to be on the Mania, the Saturday Mania show. And I think they're going to be on Raw next week. So the next show that we do, I think they're, I think they're going to be on that show. Um, Another great squash match here. Uh, Yokozuna against PJ Walker. Like, Yokozuna just looks like the most scariest man in the world in this match. Like, I'm just like, oh my god, how does anyone ever beat this guy? He's so great. And um, I guess they're setting up Yoko and Kamala for the for the next week. So K- Kamala's not going to know uh, what to do when he actually uh, hits Yoko, I guess, if he, if he does get him. Uh, the funny thing is uh, I-, I liked Heenan's sort of inside wrestling terminology where he was talking about WrestleMania and he said that, uh, you know, Yoko got, Yoko, Yoko got jobbed. He, 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 he specifically used the word jobbed. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but, yeah, just a great squash. Like, gosh, like Yoko did everything so solidly and with so much impact. I mean, he, he, I, I don't imagine that the guy took that much of a beating, but everything was just like, just looked like it was just devastating. Oh yeah. I love, I love Yoko and I love all his, the moves he did. I, I just, you know, I just love the belly, the belly, the belly into the leg drop. It's just, it's just a cool sequence from such a massive guy. And the guy he's working, of course, PG Walker ends up becoming Aldo Montoya, just incredible. Um, other personas he had in the past, and if you know, you know, in the future becomes you know. So uh, he's pretty jacked here too. Yeah, good shape, good look. Um, you can see why they liked him. And a good worker. I mean, he really. I mean, Yoko. I mean, he really made Yoko stuff look really good. And it's just a solid, yeah, solid squash match. And uh, the the also little gags was funny, like the this the raw girl, the ring girl. Yeah, was like the hottest they've ever had so oh far. Oh my god! And like, what cracked me up about this—not just Heenan's like over-the-top reaction to her, but like, you could just sense, you could just tell on this day when this girl came in. It's like, okay, this is gonna be the raw girl. Everyone's like, 
holy cow, this girl <laughs> is smoking hot. Mm-hmm. And so they basically, not just the simple attention of, oh, wow, she's pretty and she's holding the stunt and holding the sign up. Like, they really put emphasis on this girl. Hell yeah. <laughs> and, and again, props to Yoko. <laughs> he didn't check her out as he walked by. I'm not sure he's... I mean, I'm sure he checked her out as she's coming towards him, but I thought for sure he's going to give a little, let's let's take a look at, you know. Yeah, yeah, this. yeah. But uh, not standing character, this thing. But, yeah, Bobby Heaton, like, oh, wow. Like, because, you know, it was funny because, like, when I saw her, I'm like, oh, damn, you know. And then, then Bobby Heaton was like, every man in the world, you know. Yeah. Like, wow. Like, yep. over-the-top reaction was so awesome. So they did the King of the Ring report, and what I realized when I was looking at this tournament is Bret Hart is in it, star. Lex Luger is in it, star. Razor Ramon is in it, star. Bam Bam Bigelow is in it, star. Hacksaw, I mean, a little over the hill, but still, you know, it's going to get a pop. Mm -hmm. And, like, I look at WWE TV today, and I don't see the same star power of even 93 WWE and we're talking about the one of the lowest periods in in the history of wrestling like still they were able to get guys over to where you saw them as superstars yeah we know that Tatanka gets in he's a star at the time and perfect you know so it's it's a it was a pretty loaded it was a pretty loaded tournament and a really good tournament yeah so my favorite joke of the whole night is <laughs> the ring girl you know you mentioned the ring girl super hot well you know they went back to the to the other ring girls that they usually have on that show and heenan goes is that knobs or sags <laughs> i died <laughs> yeah that was yeah heenan was he wasn't his very best but he was, you know, just, just, just like, you know, you know good Heenan is better than what oh, yeah. we have today. You know? Oh yeah, B, B plus Heenan is miles above everyone today. Yeah, he was, uh, he was, he had some good clever lines. Yeah, the, the knobs. And <laughs> <laughs> oh amazing. Man. Um, okay, so. Uh... So we have Mr. Perfect against an old favorite. Like, how could you not be so ecstatic to see Iron Mike Sharp on Monday Night Raw? Oh, I loved it. I love Iron Mike Sharp. One of the, my favorite, like, well, I mean, I call him a mid-carder or a lower-end guy. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I guess you'd call him the handsome talent, but like, he always had like fun matches, and I loved his shtick. And my friends all loved him too. Like when we talked, when you know, everyone, everyone, everyone always talked highly of Iron Mike. And yeah, he was he was solid, and he was a good worker, and and he stayed around for a long time. And and you know, and and he, there's he, something to say about that. He was a gigantic dude too. Yeah, he's big, big Giant dude. Man. And his so dad's, his dad was big too. You know. And so I think it was the last show that I mentioned that um, I thought Perfect was kind of mailing in his performance a little bit. Like, probably not the best Mr. Perfect, but he was really good in this match. Like, you could tell he was a little bit amped. I don't know if it was just Iron Mike or not, but he was he was fired up. Like, he, he, had, a, he had a good showing on this one where I thought, okay. And plus, you know, he's on the show in the beginning. He does the thing with Sean. He's going to be involved in the main event with Sean. So this was a good night for, for uh, Mr. Perfect. 
there was an interesting moment in the match where Iron Mike does that big overhand chop, mm-hmm. and it's loud. It's a bam, and then Perfect fires back with some chops that were good, but then my Iron Mike gears back and fires another big chop. And then for some reason, like, Perfect is pissed and just blows, <laughs> yeah, blows yeah. him. <laughs> and the crowd, because this crowd is, you know, New York and they're wild and crazy. They boo Perfect. And here we are, he's trying to get a baby face reaction. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Well, he didn't have a comment about it, but he called it out, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just, it was funny. I, I don't think he really, I think he got, I think he was like, hey, man, I get it, but it's not... Uh, you're not gonna get over on me. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was just a, it was just a, a interesting little moment in that match that I that I remember. So he wins with the perfect plex. Uh, there's another funny moment in this. Is, you know, we we we've mentioned this in the past where they do a little segment where he, you know, they're watching TV on the no. little monitor, and and Heenan's asks uh, Vince, he's like, uh, "What's the what's the movie with that girl that goes to Dallas?" <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. Was, was it called Harry Went to Houston? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the next match is Mr. Hughes. And, you know, we talked about this being a little bit of like a, a Jim Ross thing with Mr. Hughes getting, getting involved. He faces the Kamikaze Kid, but this week the Kamikaze Kid is called the Cannonball Kid. And I like how Vince goes, oh, by the way, he now calls himself this as if to say that this is really Waltman's fault as to why he has two different names and not mm-hmm. Vince's fault. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, we're not crazy. Like, he decided to call himself this. I was like, okay. Um, this is the second match in a row, though, that uh, Kid doesn't do anything. And yep. I remember watching these matches when they happened, thinking like, wow, I've seen this guy before. I know he could do such cool stuff. Are they ever going to let him do cool stuff? And, you know, this leads to next week where he does get to do cool stuff. But, um, but yeah, like, like, you know, because we see him in global, uh, and, and we know that he can actually have really good matches and do some crazy shit. It's kind of like, gosh, I just felt like he's such a waste in this match. Yeah, yeah, but it was all by design, and it worked out great. And what a reaction he gets next week! Yeah, absolutely. And this was a good squash. This, this, I mean, Mr. Hughes is—I like watching Mr. Hughes. He's—I mean, I, I appreciate the big athlete that can move and that power slam he hit. Whoo! Yeah, that was yep. pretty. And I love the sidewalk slam too. Like I prefer the boss man style. I just love, dude. By the way. I've tried giving that boss man slam to like various different big men on the indies when I, you know, like, and they're like, yeah, like boss man. And they always do it wrong. <laughs> I remember this one kid, Dan Danielson. I was like, you know, you should do the boss man slam. You know, no one does it anymore. Um, it's a great move. It's very, it's like, it's an awesome move for a big man. You should do it. He's like, he's like, oh, like how Morishima does it. And I'm like, no, not how Morishima does it. Boss Man does it. So he ends up doing it like Morishima where he sits on his ass and mm-hmm. going, you know, face first down with the guy. And it just looks like shit. I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> it's just like, like a Boss Man, bro. Like, come on. Watch the fucking tape. Yeah, know? yeah. Anyways, but yeah, but the Hughes version, 
the basing is like mostly like a, like a, like a choke slam. Yeah, yeah. Still pretty cool and nasty. And you know, Mr. Hughes doesn't last too long here, huh? He's he's, he's done after you know, I think July or maybe August, but it's not that long. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm interested in reading what happens to these guys that I know don't stay for very long. Mm-hmm. Okay, so lumberjack match time. Um all the guys have to actually come out in lumberjack shirts, like the Pendletons or whatever you call them. So I thought that was kind of like a little team. Except Yoko. Except for Yoko, yeah, because he's the badass. Uh, team, It was a little bit Team Raw versus Team SmackDown to me. Um, and then immediately, because they're, they're so good at detail yesteryear compared to now... Hacksaw comes in the ring and immediately goes after Yoko because of their history. I thought that was really cool. Um, Sean comes out on crutches and Perfect gets him into the ring and Sean fires up and forgets that he's got a limp and that shows the crowd that, you know, Sean was actually not really hurt. He was trying to get out of the match like a heel. And um, just, you know, just really good selling for this whole match by Sean. I think that's why they were able to have such a long match because, you know, he's he's just really taken a beating. And, you know, I think as far as Lumberjack matches go, it's okay. Like, they, they, do, the, they do the few spots that work really well. Like, Bam Bam comes up on the apron. Uh, the ref kind of gets a little confused. And then... Sean, and then uh, Hacksaw gets tossed out, and then Yoko gives him that big leg drop, and they toss back in. So I thought all that stuff was done really well. Even um, what did Sean hit Hacksaw with? Was it his boot? Did he pull out his boot or something? And then like the yeah. ref, the ref kind of had to hide behind Hacksaw to not see it. I thought that was well done. So I thought this was a very, very uh, good match as far as what they were trying to do. Except I get the perfect thing and i guess they just didn't want to pin hacksaw um maybe because he's going to be in the king of the ring or something but i i fully thought like i was like oh okay yoko gives him the leg there's no way hacksaw gets up from the leg and sean's just going to pin him but no perfect interferes for the dq and so hacksaw doesn't actually get pinned um and so i thought that was kind of interesting and and maybe it's just uh it's just the way that they did things a little bit differently back then but i fully expected sean to win by pinfall i didn't remember that this was actually a dq finish yeah i don't remember the dq finish but i like the layers of the storytelling in this mm-hmm. match like you had the early stuff with yoko and jim duggan which is great you had the early stuff with perfect and hbk which is great because you know we saw that what happened early tonight and then you had stuff leading to the finish with those with those two so it's a very layered angle heavy match um i thought uh the match was really good i mean if we're gonna give it a star rating i would probably give it a solid let's give it a solid four because this, you know duggan looked good but you know michaels was on fire like he like whatever he was like unmotivated last week i think, <laughs> I think this is a fresh taping oh is it I'm, I f- it feels like it to me. Um, maybe our friend Nick would would definitely you uh, could do the research and let us know on Twitter. I mean, he he'll, he he will too because he tags yeah. both of us in his I love it. when we call him out and then he tells us what the answer is. I love it, and, <laughs> but like it fre- like a, it felt like a fresher crowd. That that's what I'm saying. And then like so I think because um, they would have to shoot that outside angle way before, right? Yeah. 
so I I think this is I think this is a fresh taping and and Michaels is you know just on fire bumping around the ring flying all over the place at first I thought oh man he's having it because he does a lot of funky yeah yeah bumps but yeah. like and he just turns on that backdrop he took oh my god that was so pretty and he's essentially working in cowboy boots jeans and a tank top like he's not even in wrestling gear uh and, I mean, and, it, his choice of shirt <laughs> was he just just was it like a rib on him to come out with a shirt a lot of guys are not even on the roster anymore like ultimate warrior and i forget who's on it but like a few other like jake the snake might have been on it like it was a funky shirt like choice i'm surprised but maybe sean could get away with it at the yeah. time you know? yeah but uh but uh no nah, it was it was a really good match. I just I rolled my eyes when the guys came out those stupid Lonnie Rejack yeah, shirts. Yeah, like, it was come silly. on, you're put- and I thought like, okay, they're not gonna put Yoko on one, but like, bam, bam. And- Mr. Hughes just got done whipping uh, the Cannonball Kid's ass, and he's gotta come out with a shirt. Stupid, just completely stupid. And um, but yeah, like I say, it's definitely one for people to go out and go back and watch again. You know, it definitely for you know if you want to see a great Michael's performance. This is definitely, you know, one of his earlier ones, you know, and, and, you know, Jim Duggan's older now. He's been a lot of years and, you know, and, but he still can do his comeback and still Mm -hmm. have his fire and crowd still loves him. And it was a hot crowd. I, I liked this match. It was, it was, uh, after a few like weeks of kind of like, you know, okay shows, nothing Mm -hmm. really standing out. Like, I'm glad we got this this match, and it's a good lead into what we're going to get next week, which is a lot of great stuff. Yep, yep, yeah, and uh, and you know the the only thing in the Observer for this week about this show is uh, basically guys who are coming in, and so actually the match ends. Obviously, uh, Hacksaw gets disqualified, so Sean wins the match. And then there's just becomes a free for all, and everyone's in the ring. And you know Terry Taylor, who was a lumberjack, is in the ring, uh, and Hacksaw cleans house with his two by four, and that's kind of how the show ends. But um, so newcomers to WWE, the team, the managerial and and talent team of Johnny Polo, and one of my favorite guys, one of my favorite guys in gimmicks, Adam Bomb. <laughs> so. Those guys are coming in. Um, Friar Ferguson, as you said, uh, that gimmick is already done. <laughs> we we got to see it, and it was one and done, or two and done, or whatever it was. And uh, yeah, and that's really the the news. There's there's uh, Dave mentions other guys that came in that I don't think really got a real shot because I don't remember them sticking around. And uh, he talks a little bit about Bonnie uh, Blackstone, which we talked about last week. She's doing segments called Face to Face, but I kind of wonder if we ever see them on Raw because I don't remember seeing them on Raw. But it was basically the old, the old uh, local territory promotion or local promotion when you're hyping up the house shows, and then the guys would kind of talk at each other back back and forth rather than just interviewing one guy at a time. You know, it'd be interesting, kind of circle back on like what the network could do. Like, what about? gimmick concepts like like where's the like friar ferguson like drawing and concept of what this character's supposed to be and i mean i don't know if they keep kept record i don't know if they kept that stuff you know 
Well, I mean, they kept all that mankind stuff, right? Like, because that man, uh, Mick had all that stuff, like, in his book and his documentaries of mm-hmm. here's what the costume was going to look like before they decided on it. And here were yeah. all of the names, you know, that he was going to have. Yeah, I wonder if they, back then, they archived that stuff, you know? Like, you know, like Lucasfilm archives every little thing, right? Yeah. Like, I wonder if WWE does the same thing, because, like, it'd be kind of interesting to see, like, the creative side of these gimmicks that like, cause I want to say, Hey, what? Like, or maybe there's a segment like, what the fuck was Vince thinking? You know, like, <laughs> like, and, and, and here, Friar Ferguson of all things, you know, like, what, what were you thinking was going to happen with this Vince, you know? And, uh, they really got to start getting this Vince footage down because, you know, he's getting up there in age. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get, start getting these interviews of stuff. Because I wonder if Friar Ferguson came from the same idea as Nacho Libre. That's a good damn question, and and maybe that's what it is. Maybe Vince read a story of this 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 priest out in Mexico who wrestled on the side and mm-hmm. made money for the the orphan kids, you know. So uh, maybe maybe you're right. That, that that'd be cool. You get that little tidbit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why the flying nuns? Like you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. What the hell? Like, I want to know this stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it'd be great. The only problem would be is that sometimes they like to uh, falsify the information to sure. for whatever reason. So that that would be a thing. We'd have to we'd have to get the the old fact checker himself, Dave Meltzer, to to help them with that. It could be an entertaining segment, not just for the like. The creative behind it, but also the comedy behind it too. When you can kind of like cut back on or kind of make fun of some of these wacky characters that came through the you know the w, you know through the years, and there's a lot of them. There's tons of them. Even Adam Bomb, like okay, that you know you got this big guy who's a nice stalker and smoke Smoky Mountain, the nice stalker WCW before that, and you come with the Adam Bomb. Why do you want him to come from a nuclear place? <laughs> Why was his eyes red, you know, and yellow? And it's just, just that, sh- that stuff is just like really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, one thing we're going to try to do next week, and this is not a promise because schedules are tough, which is uh, when we first started this raw project, our, our, uh, our good brother, Alan Forel was like, hey, when you guys get to the uh, mid-May episode 17 when X-Pac and, uh, and Razor have their match, I want to be on that show. And so Alan has an invitation to be on this anytime he wants. The only problem is, is that he lives in Ireland, which is about eight hours ahead of us. And so we'll have to get really creative about when we can record the segment uh, with him on it because I know he really really wants to talk about this match and so we're going to try we'll try to figure out a, a time to meet so hopefully he can be on with us but that's kind of just a tease that I, I don't know that I can necessarily uh, account for but we're going to try and and if not then you know maybe I'll get him to send us uh, his thoughts in an email form and and then uh, and then we can read him off about why he enjoys this show so much I'm sure it has something to do with his young wrestling fandom and and uh, and uh, to make it very memorable for himself, we need to make this happen. We're gonna try. We're gonna we're gonna do everything we can possibly do. That's for sure. Of course, it's in the week of just <laughs> nothing but craziness for both of us. I know. So. I know. 
Um, but yeah, so we'll try and uh, hopefully we can do it because, you know, Alan is a, just a fountain of knowledge and excitement and passion and a good, good, good buddy of ours. So that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, so that's it for this week. Uh, for John, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.